0: I interrupt your regularly scheduled car salesman joke with important news. We go live on the scene. Where did the sun go? Is it an eclipse? What's that in the sky? A a saw? A mothman? No. Wait, it's thousands of Roman dodecahedrons being catapulted towards us. Run!
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again joined by the man known as the Professor Angel. Haven't thrown that title around in a while, have we?
0: No, because I just got reinstated. Oh no, why did you get uninstated? (laughs) You know, legal issues, some people claim I wasn't really a professor, you know. And those people have uh,
1: mysteriously disappeared and the claims are no longer out there. So Exactly. Right? <laughs> so last episode, I mentioned your classical composer body pillow line. You've been trying to make something up for the past two decades or so. And it really got me thinking. All this creativity you have, I tried to think back to the first time, my first memories really, of your thousands of hobbies. So this is like, I think, the closest thing to an origin story we will ever have for you. The best part about this is, and I don't, I didn't learn this, I didn't learn about it from you. This was sometime in early 2000, I think, 2002 maybe. I was talking to a family member of yours, can't exactly remember who it was as my Swiss cheese memory doesn't go that far back, but one thing I do remember very clearly is that your family would always say to me, eres un chico Wapo," I'd be like, gracias, gracias, esos amable. They were just so kind to me. They said to me, Has liado los libros de hell? I heard that and I was just blown away to find out you wrote books. And I said, Libros? Angel escribe libros? They said, Si, si. Sobre una creatoria llamada masiago. I was stunned and said something to the effect of, Oh, masiago? Increible. A lot of that was paraphrased, but you get the idea. So these... Books about the character Masiago are children's books. You did the drawings, the stories, all of it. Masiago, as I recall, is a two-foot-tall inflatable alien toy that awakes when its owners would leave the house, and then it gets into various hijinks. So what were some of your favorite stories, and why did the adventures of Masiago stop? <laughs> I'm glad you asked.
0: You've been waiting for this one, haven't you? Yeah. (laughs) You see? So, this alien... Inflatable alien thing... Was the bane of my sister's life. And... I don't want to get too into it, but let's just say... That she thought she saw it outside her window one day. And then, uh... It wasn't there when she looked. And then suddenly a spark uh she sees a spark light she 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 kept the door closed so i had like a little lighter that didn't have any f- uh, lighter fluid so i i would just spark it and she saw that spark and it would light up uh underneath the door so she's she she thought she sees the alien she sees the spark she just freaks out and let's just say with the aftermath we never saw that alien ever again and we never speak of it until now. Oh, so
1: did that influence the Masiago children's book stories, though, that you wrote? Yeah.
0: I mean, obviously. I mean, it's in book two. That story I just told.
1: Oh, no. so did it only get to book one and two? <laughs> it stopped there? No, I mean, the, I,
0: the, oh. I got up to book five, and then it stopped. Oh.
1: <laughs> so what were some of the, the, the favorites of the ones that you wrote then?
0: In book five, Masiago travels to another planet not earth and learns that he is not the most advanced alien he thought he was because you know the people on earth made him seem like he was so his head was a bit too big you know his ego you know it's kind of like trying to teach kids about you know don't don't let your uh don't let it all, all go to your head kind of thing mm-hmm. so yeah um so on that, on that planet he's on that Uh, that new planet he learns that he's not the most advanced creature of his kind and he and and then he realizes what a dick he's been to the earthlings okay and then he tries to mend his ways but the aliens on that planet are very hostile and they end his life so that's why the book series ended
1: because masiaco dies trying to learn that there's bigger fish out there and he learns that but you know sometimes that's just the way it goes yeah you you can't redeem yourself because you get killed
0: exactly but it's 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 that you tried that that matters
1: you know i'm i'm starting to i guess understand why no publisher ever wanted to get anywhere close to the masiago adventures (laughs) so now we know (laughs) (laughs) so with that being said why don't we take a look at some things in the news before we start our endeavor to crack the mysteries of today's episode, the Roman dodecahedron. So this first story, I I wanted to uh, sort of put this one out there because I think it's a good public service announcement. It might not be an issue uh, where you are, Angel, but we'll find out here. So it says, from unexplainedmysteries.com, the site that just keeps on giving to us, <laughs> the article's titled, Here's Why You Should Never Eat Icicles. It goes on to say, a meteorologist went viral recently with a very convincing reason for why eating icicles is a very bad idea. There's no denying that icicles, and it describes what the hell an icicle is, the long shards of ice typically found, I just find that hilarious that they're describing what an icicle is. The long shards of ice typically found hanging from your rooftop or window ledges during particularly cold weather can be breathtakingly beautiful.
0: They're describing them for people like me who's never seen anything don't know like what the, that. You just,
1: an icicle? What? <laughs> what is
0: icicle? We don't have ice or icicles here in Florida. We just survive. <laughs> you, just, you, know, you just sweat,
1: sweat, sweat, and more sweat. Uh, some might argue that these intriguing ice spikes may even look good enough to eat like some sort of nature-made popsicle. However, there is a very good reason why you shouldn't do that, as explained in a viral TikTok video posted up recently by meteorologist Katie Nicolou. In that video, which actually shows someone chomping down an icicle from their garden, she provides a simple explanation that is likely to put anyone off from trying to do the same. Please don't do that, she said, I'm a meteorologist, I should know. When icicles form, it's from water that runs off your roof. You know what else is on your roof? Bird poop, a lot of it. You're eating bird poop. Enough said. So that's the end of the article. Oh. Any thoughts here on the? I guess not eating icicles. Is that something you agree with?
0: I don't agree with it. First of all, this is a... you're pro you're pro icicle eating. Yeah. First of all, that was a meteorologist. What does that have to do with <laughs> biology? Like.
1: What do you what the hell does she know? Yeah,
0: what does she know about eating bird poop? There's a there are uh <laughs> I went to uh uh a bird poop eating school. A bird poop <laughs> <laughs> No. It was like a a, a, a state park or a, or a, some park down here in Florida and we had a tour. There's a bunch of um it was, I, actually it was in the everglades now that i remember <laughs> how do you forget something like that uh anyway there there's a there's a bunch of vultures in that area and their legs are stark white and the the tour guide told us that their their, their legs are white because they, they when they poop they li- the poop literally runs down their legs and and they don't do anything to like wash it off they just let it there's there's have do- no poop legs yeah And the reason they do this is because their poop is actually antibacterial. This keeps their legs, uh, 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 antifungal, antibacterial, it keeps their legs free of any uh, pathogens. So yes, go ahead and eat that icicle. You might save your life.
1: (laughs) Now, is that antibacterial to them or to just everything in general?
0: (laughs) I mean, if it works for a bird, it's got to work for people, right? That's science. (laughs) That's science.
1: Well... I went to a renaissance fair, the (laughs) pinnacle of bird information, Uh because there was a guy that was showing off birds and they had vultures there and they described in detail, like just how awesome of a bird, a vulture is because of its power of its gut and the bacteria in there, just how it is able to just get away with eating random garbage animals that nobody, no other animals would eat because it's just been out there. Mm -hmm. They're crazy birds. So, I mean, maybe if it was a vulture, that pooped on the roof vulture And poof. then icicle formed We should start selling Maybe it. I think about it
0: I'm gonna oh, no. <laughs> Keep it in a jar Sell it overseas The best antibacterial <laughs> Material you can find
1: You can put it in the jars Next to the, the, <laughs> the STD cur- jars That you have From the last episode
0: <laughs> For your pillows And <laughs> <laughs> keep all of those With the cursed items <laughs> oh, good one.
1: That's one hell of a collection of- <laughs> crap you yeah. <laughs> have so our other article is also from unexplained titled mystery footprints appear on frost covered car so it's just a it's a frost and snow covered icicle news extravaganza that we have today the article goes on alicia smith from grimsby england was left scratching her head when she found her car covered in footprints and as i read that i, re- I think this is our second <laughs> news article from grimsby England, I think... Hmm. I don't remember which episode it was actually in, but there was the Aleister Crowley house that... Uh, some guy found a picture or supposedly yes. like this, this the... Dybbuk box that had this like uh, drawing inside of a demon and it looked exactly like the, the movie uh, sinister demon. Yeah. And so Grimsby, England back in the news. The phenomenon was first discovered at around 1030 a.m. on December 31st after a period of particularly cold weather had left her car coated in a thin layer of ice. The vaguely human-like prints, which went from front, from the front of the car all the way up the windscreen and across the roof, were not only peculiarly shaped, but also seemed to have only four toes. We'd never seen anything like this before. It was very odd, she said. Uh, they're a strange shape and only have four toes, and don't quite look human. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was a child, and why would someone be barefoot in this weather? The car was parked outside our house all night, so whatever did it must have been just outside. We didn't hear or see anything. As things stand, no definitive explanation for the strange footprints has been found, the article concludes. So uh, we'll have a link to this on our uh, website as well, just so you can see the pictures. Uh, so what are your thoughts of this, Angel?
0: Number one, Grimsby seems to be a very a paranormal place.
1: It's, l- it's like that Japanese town in the Tsuchinoko episode, just weird shit
0: yeah. happens there. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to plan a vacation there to investigate a little bit further. Uh, Secondly, those footprints, that's like a little baby. A little baby walked on there. Just a little baby. And I'm
1: impressed by the ability to walk up a windshield in (laughs) like snow covered. Yeah. Like It's hard enough to walk on top of a car up the windshield and now it's frost covered and you're barefoot. Yep. And it looks like there was no struggling at all. Like the footprint, the feet did not slip at all. They're just perfectly placed.
0: I think uh, I think what helps is that it has four toes instead of five. I think with five toes, they would have slipped. I'm cutting one of my toes off, and I'm going <laughs> to test that.
1: <laughs> the professor has spoken.
0: Make sure it's the smaller one.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, directions weren't clear. Uh, they're all gone. Oh, God. There's like this weird discoloration, I think, almost. Um, that might be a bad word, but like the the way that it's imprinted, there's a, a lesser imprint than the footprint around the footprint. What do you what do you think of that?
0: I think if they want us to believe that this was some kind of Bigfoot, I think that would be like the fur covering it. But it mm-hmm. it, it almost seems too perfect. Like it's an a perfectly outlined aura of the foot.
1: Yeah, like every single footprint is perfect. Like, like yeah. it's hard to like uh, you can't do this but people that can walk out in the snow like if you look at your footprints not every footprint that you leave is a perfect footprint in the snow like things happen
0: yeah and more more importantly if they want us to believe it's some sort of bigfoot or bigfoot child giving it four toes makes it not believable because everyone supposes that a bigfoot is some kind of ape either related to humans or or some other ape creature which we all know have five toes Mm-hmm. Like, like, well now
1: that you say that i'm thinking back to episode one when we uh, the skunk ape yeah i think i think one of the telltale signs was a a four-toed footprint well <laughs> maybe i uh,
0: maybe i'm making that up <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't think that far back but i'm sure there's an, an explanation
1: <laughs> well yeah the the skunk ape made it to grimsby england is my explanation of that i think he went on he heard grimsby was a weird ass town he wanted to go investigate and decide to walk on someone's car
0: grimsby the i don't what was the name of the japanese town
1: i think it was Kanazawa. maybe i'm making that up too but i think that was a name from that episode
0: a name yeah
1: any final thoughts on that one or are you ready to let the footprints melt away and we never speak of them ever again
0: i mean i think that lady's never gonna speak of them again Probably because someone is gonna inform her that it's a prank. Like it's nothing to mm-hmm. to worry about.
1: It's on the internet, so people have spoken their mind. I'm sure people have threatened her life because that's what people do. <laughs> yep. And and she's like, I'm never putting anything <laughs> the, on the internet ever again. They
0: label they they label her as a clout chaser. <laughs> a what? Chasing clout. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused for a moment, but now I get it.
1: (laughs) Here we are, Angel. This season has had some strange, unintended undertones to Roman history, and it gets weirder. Some behind-the-scenes for those out there that are curious, are curious curiosities. Originally, this episode was slotted for cursed numbers, so that was going to be various phone numbers that are reportedly cursed. So several weeks ago, I was beginning that research, and I was like, this is stupid this is stupid (laughs) and i quickly learned that i just really inherently hated curse numbers it was just some hokey urban myth stuff or numbers related to like viral movie marketing do you remember the or if you've even seen it the carrie remake that was maybe gosh at this point like 10 or 15 years ago yes apparently when that movie was coming out there was like this phone number that you could call that was related to that movie and as I was researching it, that was, like, the number one, like, ooh, this is a cursed phone number to call. I think this isn't cursed. It's freaking marketing. <laughs> this is... And then I was like, I'm, I'm done. We... Yeah. So I made the unilateral executive decision to scrap cursed numbers. And I was looking at some things. I was like, ooh, this thing's kind of cool. At the same time, I was like, well, we've also had seemingly enough cursed items for this season. So I replaced it with the Roman dodecahedron. Then... As the season progressed, more and more Roman things just kept popping up as the season went. Innocently enough, we started off with St. Nicholas, who was arrested during Emperor Diocletian's rule in the Santa episode. We had double Pliny's in the form of Elder and Younger (laughs) with their examination into the Ackless in the Hugag episode. And then Angel, in your research of some of the OG Clampers in the form of Caesar and Augustus uh, and hating on the Greeks... In the Rougarou episode, for their belief in werewolves, Pliny showed up again one more time in that episode, of course. And then, Angel, I had the realization when it came to this episode, a whole episode dedicated to what is known as the Roman Dodecahedron. So somewhere along the way, the hate I discovered that was inherently woven into my being for Pliny the Elder brought this upon us, I think. I dare say we have the Pliny curse... Upon us now. Oh no! Season one, all roads led to the Phoenicians. This season, all roads are leading to Rome. Well, so what are your thoughts?
0: Well, first of all, that's that's. I mean, isn't that the saying? All all all, ro- all roads lead to Rome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, that was that was the basis of that joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw this coming because oh, you it- had
1: the 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 foresight.
0: Yeah, the Romans, you know, the pinnacle of Western civilization, right? I mean.
1: Undisputed. Can't even argue against it.
0: Yeah. I mean, everyone always talks about the Roman Empire. I mean, they made games about it.
1: Multiple ones. Yeah. Uh, Rome, Total War. Mm -hmm. Rome, Total War 2. Rome, Total War. Like, (laughs) the Huns show up (laughs) to destroy Rome. (laughs) Let's just keep going and going. Yep. I'd say, I think, because of this Pliny curse that I believe is upon us, one one just little tidbit of advice stay away from some active volcanoes because we all know that's how pliny died so i think it's in our future
0: what volcano was that vesuvius that was uh was that in um
1: pompeii
0: yeah you heard that they discovered a fast food restaurant in pompeii <laughs> what <laughs> They unearthed a, a, a fast food a market or something in in Pompeii in, in the ashes. How do they know it was a fast food rush? I don't I, I don't know why it was the headline. Like I guess like the the the, the idea that it was a fast food, but oh, like the yeah. But it was like I guess a meeting place where people would get food quickly and eat there.
1: Uh, I mean, I guess isn't that just a lot of like food stands? Like I'm, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn articles with their click baiting headlines yep <laughs> you know maybe that was an underlying reason that pliny wanted to go they he heard they had some <laughs> sweet sweet whatever
0: <laughs> beef i don't know <laughs> they had they had this new thing where they got lettuce and put some sort of uh dressing on it <laughs> what? this is all the
2: rage the
0: seeds salad <laughs> <laughs> this is all the rage I got to get one of them
1: Caesars (laughs) salads. I I think overall, if only from the very beginning, we would have gotten that prime Little Caesar sponsorship. This would have just been the perfect season. We just let that one out of our grasp.
0: Yeah, well, maybe
1: next time. Next time. I know I've heard it said before, dress for the job that you want, not for the job that you have. I know you have one, Angel, from the pictures I've seen of your Jim Belushi cosplays, <laughs> but I've donned my <laughs> I've my toga in preparation to put to rest a mystery that has haunted mankind since the 1700s. What the hell are the Roman dodecahedrons? But first, how do you like your toga?
0: It's a little tight-fitting now. Oh. <laughs> I've put, I've, well, I mean, I've put it in the wash too many times, but...
1: They just kept drying it, drying it, drying it, drying it. Yeah. Yeah, they shrink. I personally just have this unshakable feeling like I have a target on my back. (laughs) Maybe maybe you do. (laughs) At two, Angel? (laughs) (laughs) Let's describe what this thing looks like because this may be a hard one for people to envision in their head. I think the best description I found comes from professor and historian Tybor Grohl one of the most metal-sounding names of all professors. (laughs) In the paper titled The Enigma of the Dodecahedron, he writes, The dodecahedron is usually made out of copper alloy. The object has 12 flat pentagonal faces, 30 edges of equal length, and 20 vertices, on which we can find small knobs of varying sizes. Each pentagonal face has a circular hole of varying diameter in the middle. The narrowest is six millimeters. The broadest is 40 millimeters, or for those of us in America, about 0.2 inches to one and a half inches. The holes are connected to the hollowed out center. The Decahedra are ranging from four centimeters to 11 centimeters in size without the knobs or one and a half inches to about 4.3 inches. Their weight is varying between 35 and 580 grams and 580 grams being just over a pound. Grohl goes on to say, We only know of one sample which weighs about 1,000 grams, or 2.2 pounds. Most of these dodecahedra bear surface decorations circles around the holes, small circles with dots, lines parallel to the edges, etc. We must stress that no letters, numbers, or similar characters can be found on any of these objects he concludes so with that being said we basically have a 12 sided roughly three inch half a pound die with holes and little nubbies on the edges
0: what are your initial
1: thoughts about how this looks angel
0: um it just it reminds me of of uh, you know D D dice you know like i want to mm-hmm. i want to roll it and you know do some uh do some attacks yeah have you ever played with a metal die i have not
1: they are obnoxious. So <laughs> there's a lot of theories about what this can be. And one of the theories, well, I'll save a real explanation for later, but that it was an actual toy. But I just wanted to say like, ooh, if you're playing with metal die, that's like half a pound to a pound. Uh, everyone's going to F and hate you. Cause that
0: <laughs> shit is loud. <laughs> also the little knobs kind of remind me of, of the game of Jack's. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it does look like a like that. Yeah, and they're I mean one pounders, two pounders. I mean they're not really <laughs> easy to grasp. It's it's like the the pogs of Jack's world. Like, <laughs> what are they called? The slammers. <laughs> I got my
1: slammer. <laughs> oh god! I mean, do you imagine a kid playing with a a this pound <laughs> copper alloy hunk of metal, just like slamming it against the ground? Someone's gonna. Smack that kid!
0: <laughs> I mean, he's got a good weapon, though. They try to smack know, him. Yeah. He
1: just he's just clubs <laughs> you with the todeca, yep. You're on.
0: and <laughs> you're knocked out. <laughs> and he keeps
1: playing. So the description tells me something that is going to be made clear as we explore this topic. There is nothing obvious about this object that tells you what it actually does or what it was meant for. As we saw with the very real Baghdad Battery, when it isn't clear what an item does. People just go bonkers. So for 282 years, this little item has really made people dig deep to come up with some theories as to what the hell it does. Now, Angel, before we continue, I wanted to give you an update because I know you were concerned about this. I purchased some bootstraps, proceeded to pull them up, and I paid off the Iraqi airboat from the last episode. So (laughs) that is case closed. That's one less group of people that are going to be after you when you leave that bunker.
0: Wait, why would they be
1: after me? I sort of put your name uh, on the contract. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I see when you do leave that thing, it's going to be like the scene from Back to the Future where the Libyans show up because Doc Brown stole their plutonium and <laughs> like replaced it with junk. <laughs> so it's just going to be one less people after you. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know what I do know is going to happen, though? What? cotton I Joe's Razor. Everyone's favorite axiom that states, for something to have come from somewhere, it must, therefore, go somewhere. So where in blue blazes did the Roman dodecahedron come from? As Tyborg Roll... Points out in his Enigma of the Dodecahedron paper. In a report sent to the Society of Antiquaries in 1739, a local historian described in detail a strange hollow object made of bronze with a dodecahedral shape of 12 flat pentagonal faces he found at Aston or Hertfordshire, England. So, 1739, this English bloke opened up Pandora's box and unleashed the dodecahedron upon an unsuspecting populace angel. So over 100 dodecahedra have been found up until now in Belgium, Croatia, France, Germany, Great Britain, Hungary, Luxembourg, Netherlands, and Switzerland. The northernmost piece was found along Hadrian's Wall and the southernmost in Arles. The westernmost object turned up at Fishguard in Wales and the easternmost at the legionary camp of Bridgetto in Hungary. It is a very important to emphasize, Grohl writes, that not a single one has ever been found in Italy, Africa, or in the eastern provinces of what would have been the Roman Empire. So, Angel, we have most of Europe besides Spain and Italy having reports of dodecahedra being found. What do you make of that sort of weird tidbit?
0: I, Right now, I envision it's like a mini version of the monoliths
1: yeah it almost like they just keep popping up but some places they just don't have them in this aspect Italy Spain Africa Turkey like not there Mm -hmm. do you have any I guess initial thoughts of why that could be
0: I think because um you said Spain Turkey Africa Italy yeah
1: yeah Italy yeah so so you know the the weird part you know the roman empire being housed in italy this object attributed to the romans not a single one found anywhere near rome
0: yeah that's because i it's my firm belief that those other places that they haven't been found in they dealt with a lot of um trade routes and cultural exchange and for those uh places like in Spain, well maybe not all of Spain, but um Africa. W- places where there's not as much um how shall i put this? weather <laughs> events okay. I think is uh they found it not as useful.
1: Oh, okay. So they just didn't need it in like around the Mediterranean. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good a good theory. We'll see if any of the theories that we look at in the episode sort of match up with that. The vast majority are usually dated to the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th century AD on the basis of archaeological context according to Tiber. So similar to the crystal skulls in this aspect as far as how we have found them though is most of the dodecahedra have surfaced in antiquity markets and because of that we have no real information about where they came from. Of the ones, however, that we do know of their origin, Typer writes, all we are aware of is that among these sites where these objects have been found, there are five military camps, two public baths, one theater, one tomb, one treasure hoard, and one filled well. A temple. And three were discovered in riverbeds. Outside of that, they've just been found in the ground. As I actually read an article where one guy in East London, he was just digging in his garden. His shovel hit something metal. He checked it out, and it was a freaking dodecahedra in his garden.
0: <laughs> wow!
1: I know yeah, yeah, it's here. <laughs> the takeaway from this, I believe, is that these typically are dated pretty much to the height of the Roman Empire, and why we can actually attribute them to the Romans since they are found. They're actually found in the ones that we have seen in a like scientific dig are found close in proximity to other things belonging to the Romans who would have actually been there at the time. And like I said, though, mysteriously, they're not found in Italy. And probably the single most interesting part of this entire mystery, not a single written word has survived about these items at all. No mention of them in any Roman literature, never depicted in a mosaic or painting. There's just a glaring void of them never being spoken of. So what do you say about that, Angel?
0: No mention of the look, I'm just going (laughs) to say it. The Romans are not that bright. Are they just too stupid to write it down? Yeah, I'll go further into it. But I think they they just didn't really know how to use it.
1: (laughs) So I'm interested to hear your theory then, because that might uh, beg to say that they didn't create it.
0: Well, I go into that, yeah.
1: We'll see, we'll see. (laughs) I'm intrigued. So, arguably, I would say, though, that the Roman Empire is probably the most exhaustively studied era of human history. And for there to have never been any mention of this item, and that none have actually been found in Italy, I think this is really the heart of the mystery. So, since it was first uncovered in the 1700s, Grohl says more than... 200 professional and amateur historians or experts have weighed in with theories as to what the hell the purpose of this object could be and with 200 possible theories out there angel we have a lot to cover (laughs) so i hope you're in a comfortable seat (laughs) are you ready to unleash the theories yes okay so no two dodecahedra are exactly the same they vary in overall size hole size, nub length, composition, and hole shape. For instance, one was found that was made entirely of silver and another, the shapes of the holes were triangle or crescent shaped. Because of this variance in appearance, there are theories just as far as the eye can see. So the first one, let's just get it right out of the way. The elephant always in the room with pretty much every item that we look at in this show. The theory that Ancient aliens delivered these objects to the humans. So the idea being that they were given to specific peoples, maybe those that the aliens deemed worthy to share their technology with. The dodecahedra could have been communication devices or locators to find those that the aliens deemed worthy. How about that, Angel?
0: I mean, it's it's a lofty idea for sure. I don't think it's that uh, extreme, though something more terrestrial no (laughs) oh oh god
1: (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't expecting that answer that's why i was so confident saying it Now i'm really intrigued uh i think (sighs) based on our other episodes it it probably won't be a surprise for uh many of our listeners to say most likely not ancient alien theory right Maybe. Any any number of things, but maybe not ancient aliens. There's probably maybe another more plausible explanation, but we'll, we'll find out. Maybe there aren't. The next one is the range finder theory. So this argues that by holding up and looking through the holes of the dodecahedron, one can use it as a device to calculate range. The idea is that the user knows the size of the specific holes on the uh, various sides of the dodecahedron because either they made it personally themselves or they just know the measurements of their personalized or specific dodecahedron and if you know the exact size of the object that you are looking at you would know or be able to calculate how far away it is one example i saw of this uh, was say in the distance uh, for a military commander to look how far away his men's vexillum was an angel here is where we find ourselves at your favorite part of the show your pop quiz on Roman military terminology. What is a vexillum?
0: I was going to ask you that. <laughs> oh, uh, so you failed. I'm sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I wait, I got a I got a second guess. It's the little flappy parts of your chin. <laughs> oh no, like a uh like the turkey sort of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Man,
1: that would mean that the dodecahedron is like you could really <laughs> size in with that thing. Damn. Uh, no, that's wrong. The, it is uh, sort of like the Roman battle standard or the small flag that shows up like on a, on, a, on a pole, which showed which legion the men belonged to. So the military commander would know the size of that object, be able to look through his uh, dodecahedron and then be able to calculate how, how far away his men are. Some academics also argue it would be used to measure how far away then enemy troops could be and know how far then to fire their projectiles or to know how close in range they were of something like a ballista or catapults or arrows. So in theory, only one set of holes on the dodecahedron for a given distance would actually line up. So the user would therefore know how far something was just by the different uh, variances and flipping around the uh, the item and looking through the various holes to see what lined up what's i guess your initial thoughts on that one when you hear it sounds plausible doesn't it
0: it does i mean i'm not familiar with how these things work so i'm mm-hmm. just gonna s- s- nod and be like yeah i'm sure it can be used that way and i guess some evidence for it is five
1: of them have been found around roman military bases yeah The thing against it, though, is, well, why the hell isn't it anywhere else in the Empire? Like, the Romans did a lot of warfare, (laughs) specifically around the Mediterranean. Why isn't it in Rome? And then, on top of that, like, historians know, like, to the pound, pretty much, what was inside a Roman legionnaire's backpack, how it was packed, like how they unpacked it, how they repacked it—like those things are known, but this object, like mysteriously, was never talked about, mm-hmm. or wasn't like anywhere in Rome or like in a military academy or something. Like it's just weird, isn't it? Yeah. If it's if it was the rangefinder, like military item, there's just like that glaring. Well, why isn't it anywhere else? Sort of issue. Yeah. So that one, I'm not too. I guess fond of. On on the surface level, I think it sounds like, oh yeah, that's plausible. Case closed. But like the more that you think about it, not being found elsewhere or ever being talked about really, I think brings that one down. So the next one we have is the counterfeit finder theory. And this one is pretty unique. So this theory takes into account why they are found only far away from Rome and why some were actually found with coins. So this comes from the blog Mute Man Deaf Cat, which is an awesome title for a vlog. So the article in the vlog writes, When a shipment of coins would arrive or a large purchase was being made, they would remove any random coin or two and melt them down and form them into a predetermined length rod sized to the appropriate hole on the dodecahedron. They would insert the rod into the hole and then bend it around the device, twisting it around in some manner around the knobs at the corners, or use them to keep the metal in a channel. Each level of purity would be able to bend in a certain pattern before it could crack or break. If it failed before the specific pattern, it would be considered counterfeit, and the lot would be rejected. Furthermore, the size of the holes are for different types of metals and purity levels. Even if the device itself varied in size, it wouldn't change its purpose as long as the ratios are maintained. So the counterfeit theory, how about them apples, Angel? I don't buy it. <laughs> Just flat out, f you counterfeit theory. Yeah, yeah. It it seems, it seems to me too. I don't know, like too involved. Maybe like there's too much at work for this little item to be like the counterfeit finder. It's like dollar bill marker of its time, really. So yeah, I don't particularly like. It's an intriguing, unique theory, but I don't. I don't think it fits the easiest possibility maybe. Yeah. The next one is the astronomic measuring unit for growing crops theory. And this theory is actually presented on the perfectly named Roman Dodecahedron.com. So the dodecahedron wasn't argued in that uh, website as an astronomical measuring u- instrument with which the angle of the sunlight can be measured and thereby one specific date in springtime and one date in the autumn can be determined with accuracy. So it goes on to say the dodecahedron was placed on a horizontal plate on a sunny day in autumn. Thereupon, around noon, when the sun reaches its highest point of that day, one would measure the light falling through two openings opposite each other. Next, 20 measuring points would be examined for beams of light going through the hole. This all would be done according to a specific system. The last measuring point is obtained on the day that sunbeams fall through all measuring points. In spring, the same measurements can be done at the end of the measuring period. There would be no measuring point through which the light will fall through because the sun will be higher in the sky. But the hypothesis assumes that dodecahedra were only used in autumn. The reason it was only found in Europe and not the Mediterranean, so like northern Northern Europe, was because of the weather differences and harsher winters to the north. So, Angel, this one even comes with a whole formula to measure the sunlight, and based on some calculations with longitude and latitude of several of the places the items were found, showed that it actually was plausible that this was the purpose. How about this
0: one? Well... The more I hear these theories, the more I'm thinking maybe this thing was intended and in, uh, had a multi-purpose use. Maybe that was its yeah. true design. Yeah, that just that it can just do whatever you want it to do.
1: Really, <laughs> the I guess the I don't know the 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 part that I maybe don't agree upon with this one like. It's neat that there's like a specific calculation or formula that this person put together that works with the use of sunlight and things like that. But I just don't know how, like then, was it meant for the everyday farmer? Who would be farming that knew how to calculate that and record 20 different points of of light measurements with this item? Like it just feels too, maybe too advanced for that reason? I don't know. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to the uh, northern farmers of the Roman Empire.
0: Maybe, or maybe it was aliens.
1: The alien just calculated it for him, like <laughs> here, here you go. It was Akbar and Jehoshaphat. <laughs> They're helping out the farmers yep. before they helped out the psychics. <laughs> the next one is the weapon theory. So, in in the eighteen hundreds, a lot of scholars came to the conclusion that it had to be related to some sort of weapon. So. <laughs> better than a lot of the theories coming out of the late 1800s that we've seen in some of the other episodes. They they I didn't see anything saying that it was related to dinosaurs, so that's a good it's <laughs> a good start for the 1800s. This was something uh, like it was used to toss under maybe the hooves of horses as they rode by, sort of like a caltrop, or it could have been used as a projectile for a sling or even on the top of a shaft for use like a mace. How about this one? It's plausible. The thing I don't like about it, though, for like, say if it was a cow trap being used to try to trip somebody up. Typically, those are like pointed. So it sticks into your foot sometimes oh. or rounded. So it makes you fall. I just don't know. if Perhaps. Th- I feel like if a horse stood on this thing, it would crush it. Oh, is that meant for
0: a horse to step on?
1: That was the argument. Yeah, that a ho- they could roll under a horse's hooves. Yeah, I don't see that happening. <laughs> Yeah. While I am no military expert, I think typically you, you don't want to use a hollow, nearly one pound bullet for this weird shaped thing to put in your sling to throw at somebody. Does that sound reasonable too? Yeah. Okay. And also if it, if it was ammo, I feel like we would have a lot more of them. But at the same time, why make such an intricate piece of ammunition? It would take a long time to make thousands of these things, I think.
0: Maybe that's why they there's not so many of them.
1: <laughs> Some guy, we had like a hundred, and he's like, guys, I can't keep doing this.
0: <laughs> it takes too long. And the Romans were like, but this is the best weapon ever.
1: <laughs> we have to kill more barbarians, make more dodecahedrons. <laughs> damn it. And as far as the mace idea, I think it's kind of dumb, because why not just make it not hollow and make it heavier so it hits more? I don't know. <laughs> that's just me, though. And... A cool thing, if you don't know this angel, the Romans were known actually to drill small holes into their sling bullets so that when they were thrown, it would actually make a whizzing or whistling noise. So it was basically like psychological warfare as the sounds were just meant to scare the person that it was being thrown at and then also potentially kill them if they hit (laughs) them. So picture this. You're some barbarian out in the forest. So first you got to deal with the fact that a thousand Roman soldiers just showed up and now the shit that they're trying to kill you with makes
0: noises (laughs) like screw that i'm out well see here's here's what i'm thinking they're drilling the holes in the bullets or are they making the bullets with holes already in them
1: no they make the bullet and then they drill like i think it was like a five millimeter sized hole in the center of the of the bullet
0: but why not make the bullet already with the hole you see what I'm getting at? Like, why is this an afterthought? This tells me that the ingenuity of these Romans—they're—they're they're, they're doing this as an afterthought, and yet they somehow designed this little dodeca, dodecahedron to be a bullet. They're like, oh yeah, it's already got the holes in it. We don't—I don't—I don't know. It doesn't seem like uh, like something they came up with.
1: These romans I'm, this theory that you're getting to is getting juicier and juicier. <laughs> The next one, one of our last ones here, is just the toy theory. So the idea, talked about briefly at the beginning of this investigation, so the idea is that it's related to the Bilbo cap or the cup and ball toy. So the idea that was maybe some sort of ancient game of dexterity to get a ball or pebble to fall inside one of the holes. Or if it was placed on a table with a group of people sitting around it, possibly they could all try to uh, toss something into the dodecahedron. Or if it was used as his dice, like I said earlier, you're going to annoy the shit out of people. And the thing against that is we've already found other Roman dice. So what do you think about that?
0: I mean, it, I, I can see a kid getting it and finding it and like playing with it, but I don't think it was – I don't think its initial purpose yeah, it was, was – Its that.
1: initial yeah, design yeah, purpose I, was let's have somebody play with
0: this. I I'm pretty sure that kid's toys – I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm sure kid's toys – Back then, would have been made of wood. Why would you design and get metal, something that's not like easy to deal with, and just give your kid here have a metal toy?
1: Uh huh. They look they they are very intricate in their detail and craftsmanship. Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see how you score in the craftsmanship portion of our rubric of power. But I I feel like it's too intricate to just be a toy, right? Yeah. The actually it sort of leads into the next theory, the master smith theory. So I found an article in the September and October issue of Atlantis Rising from 2014. It's sort of an unexplained phenomena magazine. And the article is titled, Scotland's Curious Carved Stone Balls, Who Made Them and Why? by Jeff Nisbet. It mentions briefly the dodecahedra and how they could have been possibly been some sort of like ancient portfolio of sorts. So the intricate designs would be a way for blacksmiths or just general metalsmith to show his ability. The small size would allow the blacksmith to carry it around and sort of be like, pop it out of their pocket, show it off to somebody like, look what the hell I just made, <laughs> and show their, their skill off to other workers. Sort of like um, uh, for your job interview, you just bring your dodecahedra, and it shows how good of a, a metalsmith you are. So the agreed-upon design could be, also somewhat of a symbol of membership or brotherhood and sort of be like you know just again look how good my f and dodecahedra is and others be like dang your dodecahedra is dope mad <laughs> skills there
0: what do you think of that I think uh well the idea I think uh this is more like a, a concept that I enjoy in my head but in reality I don't think it was it's it's the best thing ever because uh-huh. I don't care how detailed your your dodecahedron is. I want to I want my sword to look good. I don't care about this little tiny thing. <laughs> I don't know if your swords are, are just as good as this tiny thing you're making, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't and, want my armor I want my armor to be, you know, durable and, and and I don't care if it looks good as long as it works well, you know, it does that kind yeah. of thing. And who knows if
1: you really made that dodecahedron? You could have stole it.
0: Yeah, it, that's exactly. There's no there's no proof that you made it. Like <laughs> Uh-huh. unless you like your
1: sword off weight so i can't swing it right <laughs> yep uh the next one is actually kind of like a, a more recent one that's popped up so there's this and there's actually like videos on youtube that you can see showing how this works it's the glove making tool theory so basically the idea is that the various sized holes allowed for different finger sizes for making a glove and in the videos it actually works as a tool to
0: make weirdly small fingered gloves. So what do you, have you watched those videos? I have. And this by far is my favorite theory because I wholeheartedly believe it. I mean, I don't even know how, how these people figure here's, here's the thing that really, really uh, sets this uh, to be the definitive theory is that the Wikipedia page for these um, objects has a sentence that says other in the section where it suggests um, the, the uses, speculated uses, as you are doing now, is that it, the sentence says other suggestions include a knitting frame for creating gloves. And then there's a, a you know how Wikipedia has a um, like a footnote and the footnote is just a, it links to the YouTube video. Like, oh, damn, there's no <laughs> other scholarly work talking about this it's the youtube video that they're using as the mm-hmm. main thing di- so it's like it makes me think like all these years nobody's really known about this until some guy on youtube decided hey this could be used to make a glove
1: come on i think i was reading an article maybe an interview about the person involved basically like the ideas that they just saw and they thought huh that looks like something i use for weaving and i think they 3d printed one Yeah, just started practicing with it and it freaking worked to make gloves with
0: and and another thing is if you i mean i'm i'm doing like a cursory search here of the of those the dodecahedrons the on on youtube and all i see are the knitting videos like i don't see anyone demonstrating the other uses that were speculated to show that it does work for that purpose or what or what have you Mm-hmm. <laughs> like where are the videos showing the guys um you know telling the distance or or you I know, know yeah <laughs> the, the farming measuring this
1: measuring the sunlight at 26.6 <laughs> degrees yeah i think it's a a very down to earth approach to it that it very could possibly just be a glove making tool but at that same time why is there no discussion of it or like record keeping of it or really any mention of it and why was it just in the north Presumably, even though it's not as cold further south, you'd still need gloves or like people that would have been going north to use that item up there would have practiced with it down south or things like that. The whole like not being mentioned anywhere in history and, you know, just being found in certain spots in the Roman Empire just really throws a wrench in like every theory. It's intriguing to me. Yeah. The... (sighs) Maybe not for your theory, Then We'll see. The last one that I have to bring to the table is the whatever the hell you want it to be theory. So this is just like a, a amalgamation of different things that it could be that I saw. So things like it could be a candle holder because there are actually two that were found with wax in them and some arguments that were made that maybe even specifically for the glove making tool is that sometimes in knitting they would use wax to just make it easier for the thread to make it around the dodecahedra so it could have just been leftover wax from that rather than a ugly ass candle holder that it would have been and why not use a real candle holder at that point point? <laughs> one that I saw a theory that it was an aquarium but what the hell are you going to put in this dodecahedra the smallest tadpole in existence I think you probably live in there uh, as a gauge for water pipes, a base for a legionary standard, a religious artifact, a, a tool for divination, you name it, the freaking dodecahedron can do it. I also saw some claimed that related to the philosopher Plato saying that the shape of the dodecahedra was like the form of the universe. So then some people claim the item was some sort of key that you could use to unlock the secrets. To the universe. How about that? (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: Case closed. We're done. Pack it up. (laughs) Of those little snippets there, did you have any favorite ones that could be uh, possibilities of these random one-offs?
0: I want to say yes and no, but that's part of my theory. (laughs) Oh, okay. So
1: I think we might as just jump
0: right into it.
1: The the Masiago theory, I'll call it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So... Let's just put it out there right now. It was aliens, okay? So it it was a correctly named Masiago theory. That's right. Let me take you back. Back to approximately 202 BC. Okay. I'm there. In uh, ancient China. (laughs) God, we're going to China? We're going to China. In the, this is during the oh, Han no. Dynasty, the the, the, the the dynasty that everyone um, kind of
1: reveres. Were they the ones that destroyed the Piazza records? Yes.
0: Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> so this is known as the Western Han Dynasty. Um, so this is 200. This, the, the dynasty began in around 200 B.C., By then, they had... They've already had a long history of of civilization. But by then, they've already had clay tablets, silk cloth, paper made out of hemp, uh, roll scrolls made from bamboo strips sewn together with hemp string. And they also had advanced mathematics, including negative numbers. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to travel to Mesoamerica in the, in, um, the Mayan civilization that began... Around two thousand BC, and they have they already had math then, the the advanced math, and also uh, we're gonna talk about not talk about but I'm bringing up the Zapo the Zapotecs, which that period started um in seven hundred BC, and they developed a calendar and one of the first the predecessors of the of of the other of the one of the first writing systems in Mesoamerica that. The other, the Aztecs, the Mixtecs, the Mayan, then used to develop their writing systems, and then the Mayans eventually built their pyramids in 200 CE.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The Egyptians had the the earliest pyramid they had was dated around 2600 BC. What am I trying to get at here? All of these things have been attributed to aliens all of these advances these civilizations supposedly were too primitive to figure this stuff out on their own so an alien had to have helped them so this is uh 700 bc Sapotec era in the han dynasty 200 bc and they already had advanced math the roman empire was founded in 27 bc you think these guys had any more advances than these other uh, civilizations no So the aliens had to help them out. Oh, God. (laughs) The aliens gave the Chinese the math and the minds all the ability and the math and and all the abilities to create their their writing systems and all that stuff, right? So they felt bad. The Romans, they're like, oh, these guys are trying to. We got to give them something. So they gave them this beautifully engineered dodecahedron. And they said, here, this is what's going to save you all. We've done it with these other civilizations, Egypt. We've done it with the the, the Americas. We've done it in East Uh Asia. Now you guys get it. So basically,
1: like, you get negative numbers, you get pyramids, you get calendar. Romans, you get this uh, (laughs) three inch, 12 sided dice.
0: Yes. They give it to them, but they don't explain to them. They they figure they're going to figure this stuff out. And the Romans are like, sure. And they've spent all these years trying to figure out what the hell to do with these things. (laughs) The Romans could not figure it out. As you mentioned, the the there's the speculation that it was a candlestick holder. Why? Because there was wax found inside of two. Uh, two, uh, um, two of
1: the hundred plus that were found. <laughs>
0: yeah. So that was the Romans like saying, hey, maybe I can put a candle in it. Ah, it doesn't really work. Let's not do that. <laughs> they probably tried it as dice, but they're like, how do we like the holes? We need something to count. <laughs> we don't know
1: which number. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Uh, you know, they tried all these things. They're trying all these different things. And I don't think either they never figured it out or maybe they did, the, at least the northerners where it was cold. They're like, oh, maybe we can make finger gloves and they figured it out or maybe not. But the reason they haven't written about it is because they're too embarrassed to no, declare no. that they don't know what the damn thing is for. And they're looking around there. You know, they got the Silk Road. They're finding out all these other cultures <laughs> They're springing up and they have the pyramids here. And then you go keep going east and you have all these other things these guys have math the indians have math everyone has math and they're like what do we have pythagoras come on we need to figure out what this (laughs) damn thing is so they started trying to do divination and they're like oh maybe it's just the the secrets to the universe they're close (laughs) now this is a bit tongue-in-cheek obviously but i do if we get get rid of the alien part of it I still think that this thing was not of their creation, so not of not Roman made. Not Roman made. I I do I think I really do think it is a glove thing. That's why uh, the the gloves it works like it just works really well. I mean, it could be multi-purpose as well, but I think the glove thing is really the best supported one. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why there wasn't any writings on it was simply because. There, it just seemed like a mundane thing. Oh, we're just making gloves. Like, why do we need to write about this? Yeah, <laughs> but I also think the Romans still couldn't, like, they still tried to figure out other uh, uses for it because they didn't create it. There was, um, uh, the, the Wikipedia says that they found they have found smaller dodecahedra in Southeast Asia along the Silk Road, so kind of implying that they traded. To, mm-hmm. to the Southeast Asians and they and they used the they use them as like decorative items. I think it's the other yeah. way way uh, other way around. I think the Southeast Asians had them, and it made its way up to Rome to the Roman Empire.
1: Yeah, so it actually was a foreign object that, mm-hmm. through trade, actually made its way into the Roman Empire, and it was just has not been found in its originating uh, civilization.
0: Yeah. Now this is all speculation, but. Here's here's uh, you know, and it sounds like I'm just shitting on the Romans, but here's why I believe this. We're gonna go into a little bit of music theory concepts here. When um, the 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 Chinese had their advanced math stuff, and they applied that math to everything, as one would should, right? That's what you do, it, mm-hmm. it, and it works because math is math is math, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they would apply it to, to sound as well, th- sound theory and all that kind of stuff. So they figured out how, you know, having having a string, kind of like what Pythagoras figured out, essentially, being able to split the octave into however many um, semitones or whatnot. So they have all this writing stuff. The Indians also had uh, similar ideas. They, they have a lot of, not math, but a lot of music theory stuff figured out. And what happened is that, I don't know if the Indians got their ideas from the Chinese, but let's just say that the Indians and the Chinese had a lot of advanced math and advanced music ideas. And the music ideas trickled from India to to the Arabs. And the Arabs then in turn taught their musical ideas to the Greeks. And then the Greeks and in turn taught their stuff to the Romans. So we have, it's kind of like a game of telephone where everything mm-hmm. got passed down and a little bit changed. So every new version just got more and more watered down until we we uh, get to Boethius, a Roman philosopher, who is the first, uh, I believe the first to have written down musical ideas based off Greek music theory. And, and it's known that a lot of these things have been either... Um, watered down or or misunderstood so the the music that we have today based on the roman ideas are not the same concepts that were taught to them by the greeks or the arabs or the indians so a lot of things have changed as they got uh, passed in so i feel like it's the same thing happened where they got this dodecahedron and they was told how they were using it and then as it moved along until finally it reached the Roman empire. There was just getting different ideas of what you can do with it. And there's just like trying to figure it all out.
1: Yeah. So just sort of like this, they got this item without the instruction booklet. Yep. And then we're just like, well, it's sort of like, then after that, it turned into this, like the Swiss army knife of the Roman empire of that could be usable for so many different things that there, I guess, was never a reason to really talk about it too much or really write it down because it was just a mundane item. Yep. That it didn't need to be talked about because they just used it uh, sporadically, maybe in the north. And it was just an, uh, you know, everyday item. Don't need to put it down into paper. It was just oral descriptions of this is how we use it, this is what we do with it. And then once it became no longer of use, it just died out.
0: Yep. I also think it's a portable uh, blue flame creator.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's copper. <laughs> yep. Need some
0: blue flame? Light it up.
1: <laughs> Spring Hill Jack? Um, watch out. Hodag, too. <laughs> uh, I think that's a very different angle to look at it, and I think it's very uh, reasonable and plausible for your for that theory to be brought to the table of, yeah, it came from an outside source, got. Uh, is lost in the mix of what it truly was for. And then over time, maybe it's true purpose actually changed too from what it was supposed to be, uh, just because of the people that started using it found different ways to use it too. Yeah. And then we just haven't been able to locate the originators of the object, maybe because it didn't survive their timeline or no one's really looking for it in other places outside of the Roman empire, really. Yeah. Anything else to add before we look into where did it go? Nope. Okay. Well, this one's short and easy because just like no one knows the true purpose of it, no one knows why it died out from being used. This one, I think, is just something that will forever remain really an unsolved curiosity in history. There won't be a definitive, this is 100% the purpose of the Dodecahedra. So. Uh, is that
0: your same thoughts, maybe? Yeah. I just got a thought, though. It uh, Drop one in, uh, Baghdad Battery.
1: <laughs> Combine them? Combine. <laughs> put it on top of the Baghdad. Well, now we can't because <laughs> the guy stole it from the museum. Yeah. <laughs> we need to find that guy that stole the Baghdad Battery. He's the key. So how about the rubric of power here for
0: the Roman dodecahedron? The lore, what do you have for that? I gave it a 2.5. Uh, okay. It it was, you know, as you said, there's a lot of speculation. There's no, really no conclusive evidence as to what, what its uses were. There was a paper I, uh, I looked at recently. It's it's in French, but it's titled An Excavation on the Edge of the Thermal Baths of Jublains: Finally, a dodecahedron in an archaeological context. So it's... I mean, it doesn't really say much. It just repeats the the different um, speculation ideas. But, I mean, it doesn't really add anything to it other than, hey, we found one finally in archaeological Mm -hmm. context. But I don't think it really has any new ideas to give So,
2: Yeah.
1: that That was one of the things I saw that in related to baths, like it could have been something to heat up the water. Yeah. But then I thought, like, are you jumping in the water with a heated up piece of metal mm-hmm. that could, like, roll up against you? Because it has the little nubbies on it. So if it, once it hits the bottom of the bath, it's going to move, mm-hmm. I think, like, roll around. If there's a lot of force in the water, then you're trying to get away from this hot metal in the <laughs> bath. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I didn't think it was safe to use it for that purpose, but that was one of the theories too. The way I was looking at it, that, there is just you know so much information out there about this little, little item. I think it's neat that whatever the intended purpose of uh, this item happened to be, it really, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it, it doesn't matter what the purpose of it is. So many unique theories and experiments have been conducted. It just keeps building the mystique Uh, an aura around it and the idea that for over 2,000 years we haven't been able to figure out or even agree what this thing does uh, it makes it for me one of the the cooler things that we've looked at all season. I think that there's been multiple purposes figured out from it That's it's a neat little item I gave it a three and a half. How about the properties of the dodecahedron?
0: I thought about I guess what it's made out of copper alloy Mm -hmm. and other instances of like, you know, like it being one pound other one being two pounds metallic object. I don't know. There's something about it that just intrigues me. I just wrote in my notes, copper alloy breath fire portable. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the idea of using this thing as like a little blue flame creator and and having it just in my pocket and be like, I can pull it out and, and, Create a blue flame. I still don't know how how that works, but I could do it. Because you got the Roman dodecahedron. Exactly. God damn it. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, I give it a 3.5.
1: Dang. My thoughts were that just a copper dodecahedron, it has no inherently magical properties. It isn't cursed, so that's good. (laughs) At least from what we know, um, archaeologists haven't died that have uncovered it, so that's a good thing. Sometimes... I think we just need a plain old physical object that we can prove is real. So looking at you, tropa stones, that's <laughs> all missing. Uh, because of that, just we have physical proof of it existing and it's just by all purposes, metal. I, I gave it a two adequate functionality and
0: purpose of it. This one. I mean, this is what we spent <laughs> most of the episode talking about. It's, it's got mm-hmm. so many functions, so many purposes. I still really love the the glove idea. I mean, that one like I guess it's because there's videos of this. You know, if if there's anyone out yeah, there there's, willing, there's proof. Yeah, if there's anyone any out there willing to show make make a video of the other speculated purposes, that'd be great. But the the visual aspect of seeing this uh, somebody knitting and then having it come out is like oh wow, it fits your hand. That's like straight up. I gave that a three and a half. I think, I hope that through this
1: episode we made it clear that this thing, I think, is it could be like a Swiss army knife of antiquity. Mm -hmm. And and there's just so many purposes that it could have. And so many of the theories are just plausible. Like, it's like, it could be that, sure. And there's, I guess, not, there's some evidence for, some evidence against all the theories. But all of them just seem plausible. That, to me, I think, sort of makes it, it's purpose that it was multi-purpose it wasn't just one specific thing that it did and to be able to be portable be able to do different things that just sort of adds up to its functionality and you know it could hold a candle so that's a great purpose great functionality i think a so i gave it a four just because of all the things that it could possibly do
0: yeah how about craftsmanship of the dodecahedron this thing is for it to work the way it does, multi purpose, is I don't know who came up with this thing. I just know it wasn't the Romans. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the engineering of this thing has to have been somebody very mathematically inclined. Chinese, perhaps? Or at least Southeast Asian. So you see? It all makes sense. The the craftsmanship is great. Um I mean, yeah, just four just the four
1: romans over here doing math with roman numerals <laughs> it's, it's hard it's hard they still don't have, uh, They didn't even
0: have negative numbers then
1: <laughs> uh, the, for the craftsmanship i think they look they just look really neat the design is not really much like anything that you really see too much in antiquity like it just it looks cool the little nubbies on the ends are really cool and uh, I guess I mentioned this earlier in the episode, too, of, of uh, like a renaissance fair. Have you been to renaissance fair, Angel?
0: Yes, I have. have.
1: Like one of the coolest things at those is watching a blacksmith uh, do their work and be able to like craft something from nothing. And just like the uh, the ability at that time to make this thing out of metal. And to put, like, the intricate designs on it, there's no letters or anything, but there's, like, circles and parallel lines that go around the uh, edges of it. It's just neat that it was a, you know, made that long ago with such fine skill. And truly, I guess, throughout all of antiquity, just the ways that a lot of metalsmiths could make such intricate designs throughout the world is also just really cool to me. Yeah. And I think it's just intriguing how... Um, to see the manual skill to make something out of metal. So for the craftsmanship on this one, I gave it a three and a half. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And our final one, the desirability of this item.
0: You know it. I know it. We all want one. <laughs> Gimme. <laughs> mm-hmm. To see what the hell it can do. Yep. I'm, I'm willing to give up all of my Baghdad batteries and my <laughs> Dropa stones and... <laughs> And my cursed, my cursed paintings. paintings. <laughs> I'm willing to to stop my 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 body pillow business to get my hands trade on. some, to get my hands trade on their weapons. trade
1: their original Masiago
0: adventure book. <laughs> yes, that's a, this one gets a four from me.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, on a personal level, I think they're they're neat, but. You can get your hands on a Roman dodecahedron. There are out there, I saw in research, uh, the files, if you have a 3D printer, to make your own. So, we could have one, Angel. I just don't have a 3D printer. (laughs) Our next big purchase, shouldn't have purchased that Iraqi airboat. We should have bought a 3D printer. (laughs) What the
0: hell was I thinking? With a 3D printer, you can make your own Iraqi airboat. (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) Why? Oh, gosh what was I thinking (laughs) just should have could have cut out those Iraqi middlemen and (laughs) built one myself out of plastic um I (sighs) this was a hard one for me as far as the actual putting the the number down to to grade it with just because I think at this point it's almost like for our purposes in 21st century like a paperweight to uh, like it's just more of a like cool thing to own I would say but beyond that i don't think the original purpose that it had has much place that it could still like something else i'm sure for whatever it did probably does it better now so i gave it a two and a half for uh desirability so what is your uh score add up to
0: i'm getting a 17.5 holy shit really (laughs) i
1: didn't expect that out of your score (laughs) me neither so adding up our scores for the rubric of power collector's edition, got to emphasize that the score that I had was a 12 and a half. So that gives us a combined score in the rubric of power collector's edition for the Roman dodecahedron, a 15, a very good score. I think right now it's at the top of the, of
0: the, uh, the list dang so what was uh our previous oh actually no it's not <laughs> no no oh it's I, not. I need oh, to god. put these things in order it's <laughs> at the second second uh oh okay so we have a second
1: place yeah. finish for the roman dodecahedron so what's at the top
0: crystal skull oh god what did we give that <laughs> 15 and a half
1: oh so 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 close mm-hmm. for the roman dodecahedron mm-hmm. it was a bad roll rolled a one <laughs> he fumbled that roll
0: Critical failure.
2: Yep.
1: So then what's in the third place?
0: Third place is the cursed paintings with a 12 and a quarter. Okay. So a good
1: good advancement here for the Roman dodecahedron. I think that is a very reasonable and well-placed score for this item. Agreed. Final thoughts for the Roman dodecahedron before we... Uh, bury it in some guy's garden and maybe he'll discover it in the next 200 years
0: yes my final words on it are i have one and i have turned it on and it is communicating to some outside terrestrial force that's all i have to say on it
1: how'd you turn it on
0: i had to sing some frequencies into it
1: oh no so you're Musical game theory over there (laughs) was just a ruse, and (laughs) yes, it's contacted
0: a a monolith in Mars. Mm -hmm. Oh no,
1: (laughs) Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. That Galactic Federation (laughs) on Mars, they're behind everything. I think it's a neat little curiosity that's going to be lost to history as far as the purpose, and I think it's neat to see a real world item. Again, unlike the of (laughs) you can put your hands on it, they're there, um, and it can do, presumably, so many different things. I think that's just a neat, neat thing, but I think it would be interesting for anybody listening to go back, listen through this episode again, and I challenge you to, each time we say, dodecahedron, take a drink, (laughs) but probably not very much advisable, so probably do it with water, or else you're (laughs) going to get pretty sick. (laughs) So thank you for listening to this episode. Hopefully you learned something interesting about this little item that could, the Roman dodecahedron. Next time, we'll be looking at the Stigini, a Native American, it seems, sort of like owl monster. So we'll be looking into seeing exactly what the Stigini does, what it devours, and who it
0: devours. You can message us on Twitter at cracking curios and if you have any questions about any of the cryptids or curios that we've talked about or maybe if you're interested in asking us to to look into one of these things you know make sure you um message us and uh, hashtag it hashtag cracked cryptids and if you want to go ahead and include carl sugar in there as well because he has a lot of answering to 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 do a lot of questions that need answering. And that
1: man is more active on Twitter than we are.
0: <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it may not look like we're very active, but we're always watching. <laughs> and uh, speaking of always watching, we're also on Instagram at cracking cryptids. You can also send a, shoot us an email at, well, not at, but the email address is cracking cryptids and curios at gmail.com. So... Don't be shy, please. So I say, (laughs) I say good night room, good night moon, good night cow jumping over the moon, good night light, and good night the Roman dodecahedron. What the
2: hell is that? This has been and I Am Actually Traveling Back Into Time production.
0: This is my sad song. <laughs>